Welcome to my podcast. When you're listening, I just ask that you keep an open mind. First and foremost, know that I'm not an expert. I make tons of mistakes. But I just wanted to share the wisdom of the people in my life. Thanks for listening. So, welcome to my podcast. I am here with a good friend of mine. We've been friends for a couple of years now. It's crazy how time has flown. Um, we went to the university together, and um, I brought I brought her on because I really wanted to discuss like the experiences of being not just black, but also being at the intersection of black and queer. Yeah. And, how we have to see the Black Lives Matter movement differently and what that means for the movement going forward. So, yes, this is my lovely friend, Chapuza. So if you want to say hi. Hey. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Tyler, for having me on. I'm so honored. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So let's just get right into it. Um, yeah, I mean, I hinted at it before, but I guess I just want your perspective on like why black lives matter has to be an intersectional movement and what that what that even means okay um so i spoke like very very briefly about this on instagram just like some angry posts but it kind of it's been kind of cathartic honestly because i feel like though i consider myself radical i'm not often like radical in public so even though it kind of feels like messy I've been using like that public space to really like put my thoughts together and like through putting those thoughts together I've come to like realize like you know a lot of things that are just not being said you know and like it's really it's really 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 so counterproductive and like very obviously counterproductive to say anything even close to black lives matter if there's like a whole subset of black people who are being targeted harassed who are being assaulted who are dying at an exponentially more concentrated rate like mm-hmm. i'm not tr- i'm not taking anything away and no one is taking anything away from the cis black deaths that are happening Mm-hmm. You know, the hands of police at the hands of white supremacists. That's also happening, you know, to trans people, to non-binary people. But the yeah. only difference is that no one's saying anything about those deaths. No one's saying anything. And those deaths right. are happening literally minute by minute by minute by minute by minute. Right. So how can how can it make sense to say that Black Lives Matter when there's like what percentage of black people are dying and no one is saying anything about that that does not like literally please cis men follow me here don't lose me follow me through this okay mm-hmm. tell me how it makes sense tell me how it makes sense unless you want to tell me exactly what kind of black lives you're fighting for and then we can break that down too we can break that down to how only focusing on cis black deaths does nothing more than just feed into white supremacy. You feel me? You feel me? 100%. Like, staying on that very, very narrow, that very narrow cis, hetero, patriarchal path 
that that just leads you closer to white supremacy. That's a that's a beeline to white supremacy. You know what right. I'm saying? And like maybe and I and I know a lot of black people like to argue that these are values that they grew up with in church or whatnot, but who reformed the black church? Right. These are things that that most black people don't reflect on is like do you think that the the Africans who were indigenous to Africa when they were brought over here via chattel slavery, do you think that they were practicing any of the Judeo-Christian religions? No, there is a strong history of Christianity being forced onto enslaved people mm-hmm. to use it as a form of control. Mm-hmm. So when you then turn around in modern context and use those specific words that were used to justify your enslavement to then be sexist or mm-hmm. queerphobic or transphobic, you are perpetuating, as Chibuzo said, directly back into the system that oppresses you. Mm-hmm. And All roads lead back to white supremacy because these systems are interlocked with each other. White supremacy benefits from patriarchy, specifically cishet patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And by for those who don't know what, what that means, cis is referring to someone who identifies as being cisgender, which means basically that they they agree with the identity they were assigned at birth. And then cishet is a combination of those who are cisgender and heterosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I say that white supremacy is linked to cishet patriarchy, it means that to, to be homophobic, Mm-hmm. because you are cisgender or to, because you're heter- heterosexual or to, and to be transphobic because you're cisgender mm-hmm. feeds directly back into the language, the systems which suppress you for being black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me put this on mute because my friends are going off all of a sudden. <laughs> you brought up something. Oh, don't let me lose this. I feel like I, I should have brought like a pencil and pad. pad. <laughs> But um, like you said about sexism, mm-hmm. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna need my cis black sisters to, we're gonna, we're gonna need to do a little bit better. I think and I we, say a little bit. I mean a lot. I think all of us have a lot to do, and I think that is a part of like allyship. And when we talk about allyship. Oftentimes, the connotations is that just white people need to be no. doing No. We all have privilege somewhere. We, we, we all, all got privilege our privilege somewhere. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because I have cis privilege, I have to use that privilege to stand up and shield my mm-hmm. trans brothers, sisters, folks who are disadvantaged because they lack that privilege. Because mm-hmm. I am biracial and light-skinned, I have to understand that colorism exists mm-hmm. and that people who are darker-complected are more prone and vulnerable to violence. I have mm-hmm. to, to acknowledge that and use that privilege every day. Mm-hmm. And, every day. And that is, that is compounded into what allyship means. Mm-hmm. Allyship is not, it's not this convenient, feel good, you know, I don't, this convenient feel good thing that, that, that these brands, that these corporations are are trying to sell have been co-opting over the past decade or so. Allyship is very real and it's, and it's needed in everyday life. Like look at, look at, look at every 
interaction that you have, like whether you buy something with who you speak to, you know what I'm saying? Like, how are you? And it's hard. This is a hard ask. It's a hard ask to, to ask everyone to sit back and really assess the privileges, you know, that right. we have, even if it looks like we don't have privilege. Like, and I think that's, I think that's, that's, that's where cis black men like to stop, where they like to stop. Cause they're like, you know, I'm a black man in America. I'm the most hated. Right. And friend, there is value to this argument that black men are perhaps the most visibly visibly. Uh, that's a good word. Yeah. yeah visibly. Um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but basically their reputations have been transformed into something that is predatory and mm -hmm. perverse. To me, it's very visible that that is an experience of the black man in America. But, but think about, but think about, I'm sorry, if I can, if I can oh, say, no. think about, if, imagine how visible your pain is. Imagine the pain that's not, that's not visible. Imagine a black Absolutely. woman's pain. Now imagine a trans black woman's pain. Imagine disabled trans black women's pain now imagine a poor disabled trans black women's pain mm -hmm. absolutely the thing about that is is that those pains oftentimes in my opinion are visible but are being perpetuated by cis black men and therefore being ignored by them in the conversation yeah. around movement. To me, no, not visible in the sense of like yeah. that anyone's paying attention. Visible in yeah. the sense that they're happening before our eyes. But yeah. since black men oftentimes are the ones who mm -hmm. are putting violence onto black women and black queers. And therefore, when we start to have these conversations about race in America, they're silent. And they may be silent because like people who benefit from white supremacy, they are blind to the pain because they want to be there. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing at this point that cis black men are blind. I think, they, <laughs> I think they do feel the guilt. I, feel, I think they feel the guilt and they're just like, well, shit, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. You know, like my friends don't do that. It's not what I've been taught about masculinity. So right. I'm just going to leave that to somebody else. But I fuck with trans people though, but I fuck with trans people though, but I just don't prefer them. shit right. like that. Yeah, I I honestly don't interact with many um, cishet black men besides like those who are in my family. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because a lot of them are religious and like yeah, that no, no shame to people that are like spiritual and like do you? I mean, practice faith that that's that's for you, but like the the, the specific re religion that I. I see, I don't want to generalize too much, but like from all of the, the straight black men in my life, it's very violent mm -hmm. towards women and, and mm -hmm. queer. Like submit to your husband, mm -hmm. very openly acknowledging that being homosexual is a sin and just not creating a space for anyone besides the black man. Mm -mm. And that's all that we have a room for in this. It seems that that's all that is allowed room for. So the only, well, no, I interact with um, the cis black men in my life, my father, my brother, family, of course, 
-hmm. And then there's the cis black men who I see my black friends date. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we got to get into that, girls. Let's get into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forget about them. Um, so, it's okay. It's hard being a black woman. And I identify yeah. as this very recent, but non-binary, non-binary woman. I don't know if that's like, I'm still, I'm still figuring out this whole gender, this gender oh, head but as a black person and then as a black queer person like dating is um i'm gonna say it, it's a nightmare we, we can say it. it's 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 kind yeah. of a nightmare it's kind of a nightmare because who you're gonna end up with who sees you as you are and then not just pass that they value that and they don't try to exploit you it's a very it's a very delicate line and black women know that line very well and oftentimes I see, and I'm just going to call it what it is, settling, because yeah. most of the time, like, Black women are, to me, like, no words. Like, no words. Just beautiful, <laughs> just, like, beautiful. Astonishing. Beautiful, but Supernatural, quite frankly. Like, so we end up settling for people who don't see that. You know, that's just what's trained in everyone here, like just to just to ignore us, to 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 just discard us. And we end up settling for these men who just aren't worth their shit. You know what I'm saying? Who are not worth their shit. And I and, and we let things like like homophobia. I will. I, I'm saying we, but I'm sorry, babes. That's not me. That's not me. <laughs> the, no, that can not, never be me. Right. No, we do the homophobia, transphobia check first before we, we even think, before we even think that we have anything to explore together. Because right. that's step number one. After that, we can see. But anyway, like I was saying, I see my black sisters always settling with these men, and they claim they're good. All this blah 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 blah. But they never check the homophobia or the transphobia. They never check that shit. They always let that go. And why is that? Because you, because you have gay friends, don't you? You mm -hmm. have gay friends. You say, you say that you support LGBTQ rights, you know. And some of them will even be gay themselves. Will even be bisexual, pansexual themselves. Right. But when their niggas are over here saying, you know, some transphobic, homophobic shit, they don't check it. And that is that is to assume your privilege. That is to assume your privilege in that moment is to say, I don't agree with it. Maybe I, in my my own person, I don't agree with this, but I'm not going to say anything because it'll make it'll make this experience uncomfortable. When the lived experience Ooh. of people out here are uncomfortable. We gotta we gotta do better about comfort. But comfort, I but think we should we should find comfort in being uncomfortable. Yeah. I think we really can move forward. And this is something that I have been trying to like practice myself is like being able to submerge myself in situations that have traditionally made me uncomfortable, like confronting like my white professors or some white person in my family that I think is too far gone for me to educate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just remind myself that I need to be uncomfortable and make the time to check these people because Maybe they are too far gone, but because they haven't been checked, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. it spirals into something that is much more harmful and much more violent. Mm -hmm. And who are they? And who are they talking to when you're not there? And who's definitely not checking them? And who might agree with them? Who might be somehow getting ratified, radicalized by them? So yeah, I saw, I saw somebody say the other day on Twitter um, that Queen was a microaggression. And I didn't realize until like I read it, I was like, wait, they might be onto something. Hold on. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me, let me sit with that. <laughs> let me sit for a second. Let me think. And think. Because at least when I hear it come out of, when I hear a queen come out of, you know, black, cis black men's mouths come out of cis white gay mouths it it leaves me with something uncomfortable you know what i'm saying like um, for sure white gay men which is a whole nother podcast of like y'all we're coming for y'all coming for you you belong to black trans women i had this i had to remind them the okay. your ability to walk around with your ass out at pride getting digged down in public belongs to the the violence that black trans women experience. I like so, how we took that pause there for them to really, okay. I, yeah, I had to tell y'all. Um, and, and there's not enough white gay men who are mad. Yeah, there's, there's, oh, there's not enough. Out of all the groups, is this shocking though? It's shocking? not shocking to me. It's not shocking to me at all. I used to think being queer basically liberated the mind to understand just all of systems of oppression. I, and this is because growing up, I didn't identify as being black, and I was, I, but I knew I was queer. And when I found my blackness, I found that it was the thing underpinning, underpinning my understanding of racism, not my queerness. My queerness has nothing to do with my understanding of systematic racism. It is my own personal experiences with microaggressions and people being openly racist to me. Mm -hmm. So I had to erase that assumption in my mind that white gay men know what the fuck is going on because oftentimes, and white gay women, white gays, white gay people, that they also are benefiting from their white privilege every day and not checking people when they're being racist. But also fetishizing black bodies, black and brown bodies, the images of black bodies, trying to mimic black bodies. They fetish, oh my God, the way that we are there, we are there everything. I swear to God, they wake up every day just looking to see what a black person is doing. Like... <laughs> They don't just fetishize us in sex. They fetishize the way we speak, the way we think, how we look. Like, literally, they encompass every little part of the word fetishize. And it's crazy. And, I, and I'll see white gay men who... Who, I know they mean well, but they still, they still do the lame-ass A-A-V-E, like, the whole... That whole black woman caricature, they like, right? 
okay i'm not gonna be nice anymore you need to get a personality first okay here's how we're gonna fix that we're gonna get you a new personality that's your own and then we can go work on the racism okay because i think i think trying to do it the other way around is not working anymore well the thing is is like what identity do they have to latch on to this is the same problem with white culture is that it relies is reliant upon black and brown cultures to have some form of an identity gays also are reliant on the culture that is created by black trans women and black queers the language and black women the all the language the 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 culture the music that's not new that shit but white people have stuff white people have stuff that why don't why aren't y'all interested in the stuff you have like yeah they have things they have um well yeah they have they have they control the monopoly on things but it's clear that black and brown people control culture yeah but it's being used against us i mean we don't control the rights to our the culture that we create most of the time but definitely in the cultural sphere, I feel like black and brown people create culture. You're certainly right about that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know, and I'm just feeling fatigued about like giving my energy, even though I am, because it's a dire moment, giving my energy to this movement mm-hmm. that is not valuing the experiences of black women and black queer folks. I'm sorry, but to see people, I don't know how to say this, but to see people like only chanting male names when Breonna Taylor, Well, how how long has it been for Breonna Taylor? Like they went into her fucking home, and her, if anything, her case should show you. Like we're not really safe anywhere. I'm no. surprised. I li- I'm surprised I didn't light them up more. Like, you know, Sandra Bland still hasn't gotten any form of justice. Mm-mm. They still don't admit the truth about what happened to Sandra Bland. We're having to even just fight for the truth of what happened, not even got to the part where she deserves justice. Um, And you're right, the the case of Breonna Taylor is one of the most absurd because you kill someone, I mean, you literally commit, you assassinate a black person in the middle of the night. You assassinate an innocent person in the middle of the night. Um, What should be the clearest form of a way to get justice, but here we sit. And then, like, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to show people? I'm tired. Are you not tired? I'm exhausted. There are some there are some very fabulous and this is another thing. The people who started Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. are queer mm-hmm. black women. Mm-hmm. Most of the organizers out there are black and queer. Like yeah. black queer folks are at the head and black women are at the head of this movement. 
So I'm very thankful that there are those folks out there that are doing the tremendous work, but I am tired. I know they have to be exhausted. So I really need to get my shit together because they are out there busting their ass when this is exhausting work. But damn, to be invalidated when... <laughs> no, what are you saying? I was to be, to be the ones heading a movement, to be invalidated, it's, it's absurd. Um, I hope this... There's a lot of like consciousness raising that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that this raises the consciousness of black cishet <laughs> men so we can recreate black masculinity. Yeah. Oh, we, need wow. we need that opportunity. I see a future. I see a beautiful vision of recreated black masculinity. Oh my it's, gosh. Oh, wow. Imagine if oh like. Oh my God black cishet male spaces were like open and inclusive and we can all like collaborate and create together and feel safe together see then i might actually no don't let me say that no i was gonna say then then i can rethink using my wound then i will rethink that (laughs) but and so then i have to bring a baby bring in a baby into the world where i can't even trust y'all i'm not about to do that i'm not i'm just not about to do that yeah I really hope that this is a moment that we can reflect on that, and I don't, I mean, we've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm not done dragging. I'm, I'm really not done dragging. I, <laughs> Here we go. I'm not done dragging. Okay. Can we go back to white people being tired? Yeah, absolutely. Like... What are you tired? What is there to be tired of? It's been a month, maybe. Has it been a month even? I don't know when it started, but it feels like it could have been a month. That also could be because we're experiencing trauma every day. Yeah. And that really takes a toll on your perception of time. But it's yeah. been around a month, and white people are already exhausted with being allies to black people. Uh, Imagine being black it's it's an argument that i every black person brings up when white people are tired but i don't think white people truly understand the seriousness of what we're saying is like if you are exhausted you are you cannot do anymore because mentally you are exhausted because you're standing up for people <laughs> to, to be treated equally Imagine waking up black, walking outside black, breathing black, living black, showering black. That's every day. That's having not children that are black. Thanks. A lot of y'all would have given up a long time ago. I think so. You are admitting through your exhaustion that you know the experience of being black is an exhausting, unlivable process, and you still give up. I saw somebody after three days of posting on Instagram say, I'm taking a break. <laughs> really tired. Not taking a break. <laughs> yeah. To me, white people should be doing two to three, two out of three or four things every day. Every day. One is sharing and amplifying the voices of black activists on social media so we can make yes. sure that we're organized. 
Yes. To donating your money to jail funds, to yes. any type of organization that supports the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, can I argue to say grassroots organizations? Absolutely. I'm like I'm seeing a lot of weird like allocation of funds and like bigger organizations. Um, also right. going to plug white people stop following Sean King. It's what year are we in? <laughs> stop following Sean King. This is what you would know if you listen to black people for once. If you listen to black women, queer black people, stop following Sean King. Anyway, moving on. Right. So the third thing, if you're not doing both of those things, the third thing that you would need. To you need to be doing two of these at all time, in my opinion. The third mm -hmm. is shielding black bodies at protests. Yes. Being on the front lines, if yes. you can. Not yes. just showing up with your sign and, no, and chanting to feel good. When your privilege has to come on the line, being at the front line. Yes. Because it's not, it's not the protesters who are inciting violence, it's the police. If your body is there, they will be less likely to mm -hmm. incite violence on people. Yes. And the fourth thing is calling your racist family and friends and, and, and telling them about themselves and checking them when it happens. Two of those four things need to be in play at all times, in my mm -hmm. opinion. All times. You got to study with that pressure. You got to keep study with that pressure. And stop supporting businesses that are racist. It's I don't give a shit if you like Chick-fil-A. I don't give a shit if you love How are y'all still fucking eating Chick-fil-A? Like, I'm sorry, but like, I'm really not also. Y'all can't stop. eat Popeyes? Do what? Y'all can't eat Popeyes? Popeyes is better. It's way better. Yeah, we know why y'all are not supporting it, because you have to drive to the other side of town to get Popeyes. Mm -hmm. Uber Eats, mama. <laughs> you better support Popeyes. If y'all get anything from this damn fucking <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and number one, bitch, with honey mustard. <laughs> That sweet heat sauce bitch in the frozen lemonade? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, they released that. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. But for real, I, I'm not hearing it from my white friends. Have you had to cancel any of your white friends? And gladly. Because Gla waiting. The gladdest thing. The gladdest thing. I'm like, I think I had like three white friends. Not, and I was already like, this is too many. So... Thank you. So thank you. They let they they didn't they they did it for me. Oh, I gotta tell you, there was this back to white gay men. There was this I didn't really consider him a friend, but we used to work together. And I posted something on my story about I don't remember, but it was just about the 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 basically like the death toll. And he replied to my story with something about mood when I had to tell white people that so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, it was like, it was very fresh. It was like on top, it was like Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. It was like in the thick of it. And I was like, you know what? I'm sorry, friend, but I can't, I can't bond with you over this right now. And then he wants to come back with, excuse me. Oh, not that. Yes, that. Yes, that. And I was like, okay, so I see that you're having an attitude right now, but I'm going to, but let's go ahead and put a pin in it before either of us says something we don't mean. And then he wants to come back with, what did he say? Oh, I don't remember. But it basically ended in him saying, I want to preach um, divisiveness and not unity. Um, that I... Uh-huh. Oh. That... Yeah. What, did you say I'm breaking up? Oh, no. I didn't say anything. Keep going. 
Oh, okay. He he wanted to say, um, I oh, this was a good one. He wanted to say that I secretly hate all my white friends, but yet I say blah blah and so and so. Okay, you know, we can get into that if you want. Um I don't call very many people like my friend unless like I very well mean that. And mm-hmm. if I call a white person my friend, then I very much mean that because if you're a white person you're my friend then we have we've worked through we've worked through the terms of what what our relationship is going to be and like what that looks like and what your role is in white supremacy and how i will continue checking you and how you will continue showing up for me and then we can build like some kind of empathetic connection because we've worked through that we've 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 worked through and we continue to work through that and if it's not working then i let then we can let each other go mm-hmm. there's not if if he I want to say if you're white and you felt some type of way, that was because we weren't connecting. That was because we're not connected. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I don't take the time to say that I hate anybody who's my friend. But whiteness is inherently in this system. Whiteness is evil. Mm-hmm. And that's a fact. And that triggers a lot of people that we have to say that. But you got to understand whiteness lets you get away. Like, you know what? Not going to explain it. Don't need to no. explain it. Don't need to explain it at this point. No. But I just found it funny that a white gay man felt that he could come to my DMs. And when I was telling him I need I needed space to only mourn this, this is a specific kind of mourning, not a mood that I can only mourn with black people about. And I need that space. If you felt some type of way, like I'm pushing a divisive, some like a divisive rhetoric, because I don't want to. Yeah. Are you not a white supremacist? Right. Thinking that you're entitled to my feelings, my time, all the time, then you say you need to tell me about myself. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and check that. Let's check that at the door, babes. Canceled. Canceled. I would have blocked um, immediately. I... Oh, he did it for me, so I didn't have to worry about that. Oh, wow. This person sounds lovely. Um... Ooh, I didn't even tell you the finale. The finale, he came back into my messages. I swear this is relevant it was like two days later to say that he learned about white supremacy. He learned where he fucked up. And then he ended the the very long lengthy novel full of metaphors that never really said sorry or took responsibility for how he weaponized his whiteness against me. He ended it with keep up the good work. Red heart. Oh, canceled. Wow. With a quickness. With a quickness. I mean, most of my, I say white friends, a lot of white acquaintances reached mm-hmm. out to say they were sorry um, that things were the way they were. And now, I, what's that going to do, baby? I did not even have the energy to respond. And I haven't responded to so many, so many people that have reached out to me. Um, and the ones who I respect enough to, to just let them know that I'm not doing okay, I'll say, like, I can't talk right now. I just like can't, I don't feel, I can't muster the strength to like form how I'm feeling. So you're just gonna have to wait for me right. to get that if we wanna have an interaction, if I can have an interaction with you. Uh, but no, I've mostly canceled white friends based off of silence, which to me speaks. Tell speaks me about that. Um, basically, I don't have to go into the specifics of who, but just like I when I don't want to speak for all black people, but I feel like most of the black people that I've talked to have made it aware 
that they're paying attention to their white friends, those mm-hmm. that are close to them, mm-hmm. and that they're expecting them to not only be sharing stuff as it relates to Black Lives Matter, but to be angry because people that they love and care about are clearly being disproportionately subject to violence. And when your Facebook page or your Instagram or your Twitter is not sharing anything, Mm -mm. even worse, if it's still active, like if you're posting pictures or posting any type of enjoyment. Who wants to see your white face right now? (laughs) It must be said. It must be said. Because we are in, we we can hurt feelings now. Right. Because y'all are very comfortable hurting ours. I gave people maybe a week. That was generous. Generous. Mm-hmm. I gave people a week to get their act right because we went through, in the very beginning, we went through several phases of like consciousness for white people, mm-hmm. realizing like the to what extent they needed to be involved. Mm-hmm. By that week mark, most of the rhetoric that was going on was we have to get our shit together. And it yeah. was like a sense of urgency. Yeah. If you made it past that point, and I could tell that you were on social media, you fucked up. Yeah. I know that you saw my story. Mm-hmm. I was posting them. Mm-hmm. I know that you saw it. Mm-hmm. You're so fucked up. You? Yeah, where were you? But I love seeing the white people who watch my stories who will then post pictures about the beach. Or oh, about- the beach is canceled. Abolished. One. One, your ass should have never been at the beach because COVID's not. That is still going. That yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I have to do this in the middle of COVID, and y'all are tired. And y'all tired. are tired. And let's not forget that COVID, the the pandemic, and the economic crisis are extensions of white supremacy. Because guess who is disproportionately dying? Guess who disproportionately is out of work? Guess whose businesses are disproportionately closing and not having access to the government loans that were were passed through Congress? These are extensions of white supremacy. So when people are on the street, it's not just because people are getting blatantly murdered wrongfully. It's because at every facet you look around, you think your life sucks right now. At every facet, black and brown people, but specifically black people, are disproportionately Mm-hmm. being violated and we have to be reminded every day so it's like another layer when you post your beach pic it's like there's so much privilege in this picture I can't even I can't to even able, just to be able to often like to turn off your mind and be like oh I needed a vacation I cannot imagine we really popped off on several topics okay. do you have your do you have your poem with you I do. Are you um, right? Yes. So this is by a friend of mine, Jadel. Okay, he's a cis black man. Don't drag me, guys. But we went to high school together. Um, <laughs> and he's really cool. He's really cool. Um, cis black men, y'all could... Learn a thing. See, because I don't hate all... The... See, because I don't hate cis... Because I don't hate black men. Absolutely not. But y'all could take a... Y'all could take a... Take a, a page out of out of my my sweet friend's book, you know, to be vulnerable and to be black. Are they not the same? Is it not women the same? Anyway, 
he wrote this really beautiful poem that he shared to Instagram. Um, is it okay if I read it? Yeah, go ahead and read it. If you want to read the full poem yourself, his name on Instagram is Jadel Picks, J-E-D-I-A-E-L-P-I-C-S. I don't feel comfortable on this stage. I can feel my heart burden with the weight of black souls. Trauma pins my body down, flattens me to one place. Etches patterns ridged of stress into my face so I can be played like a Billie Holiday record on repeat in the background of America's shitty apartment. I'm uncomfortable. With the sharpness of the record player's needle on my skin, I didn't ask to be shattered and taped back together and played again, like my brokenness wasn't apparent or my pain didn't matter. So I will scream unholy fire with my phonographic voice, let you know that I am human, like you deserve a reminder, till my timber burns abrasive and begets your chipping walls or the ceiling bowed down with ashes on its belly. When you say you are uncomfortable, it's because you are only now starting to see the job you wake for every day, the school you relentlessly praise, the nation you kill for, the home you call brave, was made for my downfall and built for my demise. You're uncomfortable when I reclaim the airwaves with a special report. This just in, some things are better burned to the ground. You're uncomfortable when I hold your tongue to the mirror and I ask you to describe to me the taste of those boots. That is to say you're uncomfortable because my freedom is inextricably tied to the death of the systems you choose to uphold. You're uncomfortable when I won't let you forget like the broken record I am, so just remember, you made me this way. That is to say, if the songs of my wings stretching into the sky, the crash of my chains collapsing around me, the beating of my bare chest and brilliance of my smile, to meet the oncoming music of the day can only come about by feeding your home to flame, then you'd best be ready to start from scratch and don't expect comfort when I build this place anew.